Thanks, Joe. Great. Um, I wonder if somebody could just come down from the top with a clicker for me to just click on. That would be great. If it's working and available, that'd be lovely. And as we do that, um, I just want to pray for the children and young people as they've gone out. Um, and thank God for those that teach and spend time preparing. And also for our young people are going to New Day, which is a Christian camp this week. So let's just take a moment to just lift the children and the young people of our church up. As Thanks, John. Father God, we thank you this morning that as we gather in worship here and as we receive your word to us this morning, that our children and young people from this church family, Lord, are being looked after and taught and uh, Jesus is being shared with them. And we pray for those who diligently serve you week in, week out. We thank you for them. Thank you for Trudy and her coordination of all of that, Lord. And we pray that you would uh, bless them this morning. And Lord, as young people go from this church fellowship this week to New Day, Father, keep them safe. Bless Dave uh, Ruddock as he's driving and putting up tents today in preparation. A wonderful time, Lord Jesus, of meeting with you, uh, meeting the risen Jesus this week in their lives. We pray and commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And one more thing children related is that we've got family fun on a couple of days taking place in August. Please take a flyer, give it to your friends, get in touch with Trudy and book up. Um, I see that on here, so I'm assuming I need to let people know. So we're turning to Ephesians 1, and this morning we're looking at uh, our fourth in our series about being united, unity unity and this morning we're looking at vision so we started our series by thinking about unity in faith in what we believe um, then we looked at unity in serving when we serve together and then in loving last week we talked about loving together and how we're united in that and finally we're looking at how vision unites us if you're a working person um, you've maybe been involved in some sort of consultation at work about, you know, the vision of the organization or the company vision statement. And our church has a vision statement. If you don't know what that is, go on the website and check out what that looks like. Um, so we, many of us have vision statements in places that we live or worship. In essence, it's what we want to see come about. Or maybe if you're getting a bit older, if I say the word vision to you, um, you think of Specsavers. Okay, I was saying to somebody this morning, I don't really watch television that much, um, but I think they advertise quite a lot on the television. Um, you hear the word vision and you think of wanting to see clearly what's in front of you. And for some of us that have been through eye surgery. I'm looking around. There's quite a number of us in the room. Um, we're very delighted when we can see a bit more clearly. Uh, so perhaps that's what you think about. Clarity of vision is certainly very important. Two weeks ago, we had a family wedding and uh, we had some of Mark's family over from Australia. And his brother-in-law was telling me that they had been working on a vision statement for their church. It's a large Anglican church in North Sydney, and um, he said that, uh, I said to him what was different about their new vision statement, and he said, it's about what God is doing, not about what we're doing. It's about what God is doing, not about what we're doing. And I 
it really kind of struck me because I thought, yeah, that's what we should be about, what God, what God is doing in his world. Um, and perhaps we're, when we think about vision, we're tempted to think about what we want, uh, what our priorities should be, what we're going to do. And maybe if we listed that in relation to the church, we'd say, well, we'd like to see all those chairs filled up that are empty. We'd like to see lots of people coming into family fun during the summer. We'd like to see you know, happy people, fulfilled people, healthy people. You know, we've got a vision of what we would like to see. We might want to reach out to our community. We do want to reach out to our community, part of our vision. But if we swivel that question to think about what does... God, what is God about? The Bible clearly shows us throughout Scripture that the big vision is that God gets all the glory. John and I didn't, apart from knowing you had been in touch a bit, but I didn't know what songs um, John was going to choose. And we started off with Jesus shall take the highest honor. And we've talked about the glory. Be still for the glory of the Lord is moving in this place. And I, I didn't, we haven't prepared that together, but it was just very apt that I thought that um, what we're thinking about this morning is that God should get all the glory. God's vision is that we should all see and know his glory, all should worship him. Um, maybe if we're new to Christianity, we don't realize that Oh, yeah, actually, that's what God's about. That's about bringing God glory. And maybe we forget that. Maybe we need to remember that as Christians, that that's what God's plan is. Or Isaiah says that the whole earth should be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. So it's about the glory of God. So let's just dig a little bit this morning into what is God's vision this morning okay so Lottie read thank you um, we read in Ephesians 1 and if you've got that available you might want to have it open that God's own plan which he is working out is to bring everything together under the authority of Christ if you read in verse 10 verse 12 it's at in sorry in, in verse 10 first of all and then if we read in verse 12 it's about bringing Praise and glory to God. And then in verse 14, it says that we have been purchased so that we could praise and glorify him. Doesn't seem to be. Yes, he purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. So you see three times just in those few verses that Lottie read to us, all it is doing is about pointing, about giving glory to God. What does it mean to give God glory or to see God's glory? Because it's quite a, it's not a word we use very often, is it, I think, in day-to-day -day life. I thought it was about making God great or giving him all the praise or actually He's too good to describe that it's glorious. If you think, I, I try to think about when we use it sort of in day-to-day -day life. If you've ever been to the Chelsea Flower Show, which I never have had the opportunity to do, but sometimes even if you see a bed of beautiful flowers and gorgeous colours, sometimes we'll say, gosh, isn't that glorious? 
We use the word around things that are just too good to describe. Or how about a perfect day on a beach? Perhaps you've had a glorious time with your family. You'd say, what a glorious day it's been. This is coming and going a bit. Um, what a glorious day it's been to be able to share the day together and to be relaxing in the warmth of the sun. We haven't had that recently in the few last few days here. But we say sometimes that it's glorious, too good to describe. But of course, all that pales into insignificance when we compare it to God's glory, when we talk of God's glory. I want us just to flip back as we look back about God wanting to show off his own glory. So let's look back in scripture for one or two examples from the Old Testament. Interestingly, when I was praying and thinking again about this this morning, I remembered that the, something called the Westminster Shorter Catechism that lists out truths that we believe about God. The first thing is that we should enjoy the, the purpose of people, men, mankind, is to enjoy enjoy God forever. Do we have another one of these or Ian? Is it, should we just keep trying going? Um, to enjoy God forever. So let's look at these two quick examples. The first one is from Exodus 16, okay? And if you read Exodus 16, what we've got is the story of um, the people of Israel. And again, we had that verse from Romans about Pharaoh and coming out. Are we just going to go on to there? Okay. We're coming. We're on. Great. Thank you, guys. Okay. So in chapter 16, let's go back to that. The children of Israel had, got, had been delivered from being under the oppression of Pharaoh in Egypt, okay? And they come out, and that's all very well, and they want to escape. But then when they start going, they realize that, gosh, wandering around in this wilderness is not a lot of fun, okay? And what's more, they're hungry, they're thirsty, and they're moaning. And they're moaning to Moses and to Aaron and saying, you know, gosh, Really? You know, you brought us out of Egypt for this, and it's all very, very difficult for them. And so they moan. And they and Moses and Aaron had taken that, and they were saying, God, we're waiting for you to provide for us, to provide, to provide food, to provide drink. And God says that he is going to provide. He's going to provide, we, we know the story, don't we? Manna in the morning and quail in the evening. He's going to provide for them. And as they're waiting... And before God provided those things, in verse 10 says that while the community looked out towards the wilderness, they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. So they're hungry and they're thirsty and they're waiting and they're thinking, okay, so here we have the glory of the Lord. He didn't give them food and drink instantly, did them in that time. I wonder if what God was showing them was actually that whilst they were focused on their human needs, he was showed them that displaying his glory was a higher purpose. 
There was a higher purpose that his glory would be made known. He wanted to show them how great he was. And he wanted to lift their sights to see how magnificent he was. And then he went on to provide for them. But firstly, he wanted them to see his glory. So whilst they waited, he showed the glory. Or let's jump to another time. If we jump forward in Exodus to Exodus 33 and 16, and God is calling the Israelites to move on, and Moses says, well, where am I going to go? And God says, my presence will go with you. And Moses says, what else is going to um, distinguish us from all the other people on the earth? And God says, my presence will go with you. And Moses says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. Okay, so he's saying, we need your presence with us. And then after that, Moses says, um, sorry, Moses then says, can you show me your glorious presence? Again, they hadn't gone anywhere. They were still seeking direction. And some of us may be seeking direction. And we're very focused on that. And God is saying, I want to show you my glorious presence. I want to show you how glorious I am, okay? And what God did was he hid Moses in the rock. Read this in Exodus 33 if you want to later. And God said he would make all his goodness pass before uh, Moses. The glorious one would reveal his glory. This was God's plan to encourage Moses and the people of Israel, when they were floundering around in the wilderness and really not quite sure where to go, God was saying, I'm going to show you my glorious presence. It's about me. It's about my glory. It's not about whether you've got manna in the morning or whether you don't know the, what the next step is. It's about my glory. So if we feel we have um, practical needs or maybe for direction in our lives, I just believe what God is saying is my purposes are higher. See my glory. It doesn't, it's not that he doesn't care for our needs. He does. But he wants to lift our sights to see how good he is and have a vision of who he is. Friends, you know, even in our lives, uh, I want to encourage us to lift our eyes this morning if we're floundering or if we're wondering, or we're wondering, what's next, or where am I going, Lord, and how are you going to provide, and how are you going to work a way through this? It's about God's glory. And looking forward, if we look forward, now the clicker's not working. Can we move it forward to let's look forward? Thank you. Um, Paul's letter in Romans 9, verse 23 tells us that he is very patient. So we moved from the Israelites hundreds and hundreds of years before. This is certainly not working. Can you move on? Romans 9 tells us that God is very patient with us and that he wants to reveal his abundant glory, which was poured out on us as his objects of mercy. Those of us who've been prepared to receive his glory. I'm just going to read that verse from the... Um, from the New Living Translation this morning, okay? So it's Romans 9, verse 23. And he says that he's very patient. God's a patient God. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance 
for glory. Wow, friends, that's us. God has chosen us and he wants to show us his glory and he wants to demonstrate his glory in and through our lives. That's what Paul writes to the church in Rome here. We are those people who should have known God's wrath, his anger, when we were walking in darkness, doing our own thing and not knowing him. He wants us to see and to know his glory. That is his vision for us. His purposes are higher. His vision is greater. And it's that we see his glory. Maybe you don't know Jesus at all. Well, friends, this morning, you can get in on a glimpse of Jesus this morning. We can, as believers, open our eyes again to the glory of God. If we're his followers this morning, 1 Peter 2 verse 9 tells us that we have been chosen to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The excellencies, it's all about his glory. Do you see this? Right through scripture, we just see this time and again. So when we think about a vision, what's our vision? Where are we going? What's it all about, God? God's saying, it's about my glory being made known in the earth. It's about people seeing my glory. It's about us believers proclaiming the glory of God and showing that. So how are we doing, friends, in proclaiming his excellencies? Big question, isn't it? We've had a bit of a bumpy week, Mark and I, with various things, which is another story. But I think about how have I been about my witness to my friends who don't believe in Jesus? Have I been proclaiming the excellencies of him who've called us out of darkness into his wonderful light? You know, I challenge myself with that this morning. I hope that we're a tiny bit clearer about this enduring vision of God that his glory will be made known, okay? And when we look forward to the future in Revelation, I think we might have skipped over that slide in the clicking issue. But in Revelation, as we look forward, Revelation 5 and 12, thank you very much. Um, at the end of time, all glory will go to the Lamb. That's the language that John uses in his vision that he had, that he wrote down in Revelation. And the Lamb, of course, is Jesus who was slain for us. It's his glory that God has in mind at the end of time. Worthy is the lamb. And again, we sang that this morning. Worthy is the lamb to receive blessing and honor and glory. It's all about God's glory. So that's the vision sort of for the end of time. And we've looked at now. What about now? That we are to declare his glory. We're to show his glory in our lives and through our lives. So how are we united? We're talking about unity. Well, how, what does this mean? You know, we're talking about God's vision. God's vision is about his glory being made known. What about our vision? How do we connect in with that? And how does that unite us together as his people this morning? I'm going to suggest just two ways. How do we, as a fellowship of believers at Hayward Heath Baptist Church, get united behind God's vision? Okay. And the two ways I'm just going to suggest are united by sharing the same vision comes about by, next slide please, Ben, focusing on his will. So what do I mean by that? I mean that I think 
that as we've learned a little bit more about what God desires this morning, his vision for glory in all the world, to make his glory known, it's not about our own desires. It's not about our own great thoughts about what we would like to do or how this church should run. It's not about our great ideas about who might come to work in this church or serve us in this church. It's about God's vision of his glory. Can I encourage you to dig deep this summer? Perhaps some of us have got a few days away or just a bit more space over the summer to dig deep into God's word and to try and understand what is on his heart. Maybe even use time, as I say, if you're getting a break, to seek God, to know him more, to know more of his will. If we're all doing that, then we will be united in seeking and following Jesus and his plans. So if we focus on what God's will is, we'll fall in line behind it. I have never been a great rower. Have you got the next slide? But if any of, in fact, I'm a pretty terrible rower and I've never done anything, you know, like, like this. But, um, but if you've ever rowed and if you've ever watched the Oxford and Cambridge boat race, what you will know is that they spend hours, don't they, practicing to get together in their rowing, okay? So they're, they pull together behind the one aim. And if we focus on what God's will is, then what we do is we fall in line in that boat, rowing together, we move forward into what God has. We're united in pulling in the same direction. And like these guys, they make significant progress when they're pulling in the same direction. So friends, I want to encourage us this morning to seek God's will, to find out what his heart is. Let's pull together behind that. And that gives us unity in God's vision for what he's doing in his world. Do you remember that song, Jesus, lover of my soul, all consuming fire is in your gaze, but it says, it's not about me as if you should do things my way. You alone are God, and I surrender to your will. I, I, ch- I challenge myself this morning, and I, as I encourage you to think about, is that what our heart's desire is, to say, God, what is your will? How can I fall in behind what your will is? How can I walk with my brothers and sisters in that direction? So let's determine to focus on God's will and not our own ideas and pull together. And then secondly, how can we be united? I want to suggest that John 15 talks about being in the vine. Okay, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in him. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we are all connected into the vine, then we're growing in the same direction. Do you get that? But we have to be, we have to remain in the vine. We need to stay connected. We need to commit ourselves to being part of that vine, um, showing the same likeness of fruit, because that's what happens on a tree. Some of you will have trees at the moment and they're just budding with that fruit and getting bigger. Our pears are not very big at the moment, but hopefully they'll get bigger. Um, But fruit will grow 
according to the tree that it's on. Stay connected to the vine, dear friends, for a fresh understanding of God's vision for the glory of Christ to be revealed. So we know God's vision is for his glory to be made known. He has shown and continues to show his glory. And one day, every eye will see his glory. Whether we like it or not, every knee will bow. That's what we know, isn't it? Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And all will see his glory. And I pray that more will before that day. And in the meantime, if we're questioning how God can provide for us, his glory is enough. I just want to point us back to his glory is enough. If we're unsure of what the future looks for us personally or for us as a church, his glory is enough. Anything HHBC does or has a vision to do must contribute to God's great vision in making his glory known. Let's pray. Let's take a moment to pray this morning. God, I realize that as we come in worship this morning, we confess that sometimes, God, we are taken up with our own lives, our own issues, the things that fill our minds. Sometimes, Lord, we just, we don't raise our sights to see what your vision is. We don't look for your glory. Forgive us, Lord, that so often we're wrapped up in ourselves or our own concerns. And yet you call us to be people who both have your glory made known in our lives, but also to proclaim your excellencies. You call us to a higher calling this morning, Lord Jesus, as your people. You call us to be those people who focus our eyes, who lift our sights to the glory of God being made known in this earth. And God, we want to say, yes, Lord, we want to be those people. We know we fall short, but bring us on, Lord. Take us on, Lord, further into your purposes, further into your vision being made known. Unite us, God, in our hearts together as your people today to follow you, to walk in your ways and to make your glory known. Father, come among us, we pray, and make your glory known. Give us that vision ongoingly, individually and together, Lord Jesus, to see your glory made known in this world. Thank you, God, that one day and for all time, your glory will be unveiled. And we look forward to that day, Lord Jesus, when we will worship you around that throne, saying, worthy is the Lamb to receive blessing and honour and glory. Amen. As we finish our service, we're going to sing um, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Heart. It's a, it's a lovely hymn that reminds us, um, and I, I love the last verse that talks about High King of Heaven. Um, whatever befall, whatever happens, still be my vision. 
our ruler of all. And when we've finished and we've had our final prayer today, you may want to sit. Hink, Frank and Hickey have chosen a song that we played at the beginning, The Story I'll Tell. It's their testimony of God at work in their lives. So as we end and as we go and have coffee, you may want to just sit and reflect on the words. Thank you for sharing that song with us today. So let's stand together and sing, Be Thou My Vision.